Well, good morning and welcome on this beautiful and blessed All Saints Sunday. Blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. According to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. All right, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I'm willing to bet that quite a few minds in here began to wander during the gospel reading, beginning with the words, blessed are the poor. Let's face it, these are the Matthean Beatitudes, and we have all heard these words, read these words, seemingly hundreds upon hundreds of times, haven't we? And it's just human nature. When we come across a passage that we know or we think we know so well, well, our brains get a little mushy and we start kind of wandering. So today, what I'd like to try to do is have us engage in a fresh perspective on these well-recognized verses. And the way to get into that, I think, is to look at context. You see, one problem with the Beatitudes, it seems like, just like today, we always seem to come across these Beatitudes standing by themselves as if they stand alone. The Beatitudes, here we go. When in fact, 
it's crucial to know the context within which Jesus uttered these words. So let's start there. This all took place at the very beginning, the infancy, if you will, of Jesus' ministry. Up until this point, what had happened in Matthew? Well, he, he'd been born, he'd, he'd grown up, he'd gotten baptized, he went out into the wilderness for temptation, he came back, he made a very important pronouncement, the kingdom of God has now come near. And then, in a few verses just before today, Matthew says that Jesus went about the countryside healing, healing all kinds of infirmities, sickness, illness, pain, casting out demons. He doesn't give us any details, Matthew doesn't, just says Jesus did all these miraculous healings. And then Matthew tells us that, not surprisingly, big, big crowds began to follow Jesus. We got this miracle worker. Let's go see him. And, and Matthew makes it clear who composed these crowds that followed Jesus. The crowd was made up of the people who were sick, the people who were tending to the sick. It was made up of the poor, made up of the uneducated. It was the common people, in other words. These were the people who lived under the thumb of the society elites, the people who were oppressed by the Roman Empire. These were the people made up the crowd that followed Jesus. And then today, we and then we're also told, by the way, that Jesus, at that point, climbs up a hill. And then we come to today. Jesus has gotten to the top of this hill, and he turns and he begins to speak. He gives his first significant sermon. It's the Sermon on the Mount. Now, this sermon takes up three chapters in Matthew. What we read are the first 12 verses of this very long sermon. And when Jesus turns and begins to speak, what he says, his first statements, and you've bulletin, you see we've numbered these today, the, the gospel, verses 3, 4, 5, and 6. Those four verses, the first words of his mouth, those words were stunning. They were shocking to the people who were there listening. You see, the conventional wisdom of the day was that those who were blessed had certain, blessed by God, had certain signs that they were blessed. And these signs were health, power, money. As an aside, has much changed in 2,000 years. So when Jesus begins by talking about the poor and the hungry, and I need to make this clear, we read today about the poor in spirit and those who hunger for righteousness. Scholars tell us that the in spirit and for righteousness was added much, much later. So Jesus is speaking about the people who are blessed who are poor, who are in mourning, meaning meaning people who are perpetually sad, the meek, meaning people who are oppressed, the hungry, the thirsty. 
All of this is a complete rotation, a complete reversal of the conventional wisdom. It turns the conventional wisdom on its head. And going back to our context, thinking about who was there listening to Jesus that day? Who was the audience? It was the poor. It was the sad. It was the oppressed. It was the hungry and the thirsty. So Jesus is saying to them, you, you are blessed by God. And this was the stunning part. They had never heard that before. What, me blessed? I'm not rich. I'm not powerful. I, 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 I don't have any of those things. A complete reversal. And part of this conventional wisdom was that these blessings from God were earned, earned over time, and you earned them by following God's law. So what Jesus is saying, saying, saying to everybody there is, you've got it all wrong. You've got it backwards. You don't earn God's love. And your God's love isn't manifested in wealth or power. You already have God's blessing. You already have God's love. You already have God's grace. Now, at this point, some of us may be thinking, well, that's all real interesting. Um, but what does it have to do with me? Because I'm not rich, but I'm not poor. And I may be sad from time to time, but I'm not perpetually sad. And I don't live in an oppressed situation. And I've got enough to eat. I've got enough to drink. Well, see... Part of the, the, the message here is if God loves even the ones who are poor and oppressed and thirsty and hungry, God loves everyone. It is everyone's gift. What it tells us is socioeconomic economic status means nothing to God. And the message for us is the fact that we have some of these comforts is no reason for us to think that we are in any spiritually superior position to anyone else. We are part of everyone who has received this gift of love and grace. Now, this topic, this free gift, came up at one of our recent Wednesday evening supper series, the supper series where we were talking about Paul. And at the end of this meeting, we were having a discussion. The discussion turned to the topic of salvation, and I made the point that if you Look carefully, if you study carefully Paul's letters and the Gospels, the message is clear and the message is consistent. God's love, God's grace is freely offered to everyone. We don't do anything. At this point, someone who was there raised their hand and made the observation they said, well, you know, this all seems to me to be rather passive on our part. This was an astute observation. And my response is, 
Yes, it does seem passive. That's the point. We receive the gift after doing nothing. We are required, we're asked to do nothing. We receive this gift of grace, of salvation, of love. In fact, if you look at the definition of grace, that's what you'll see. If you go to the Episcopalian Dictionary, yes, there is such a book, and I do have that book in my office. And I took the time to look it up, and guess what it says? Beside grace, it says, God's love freely given to humanity for salvation. God's love given how? Freely to who? Humanity. Everyone for salvation. Let's linger with this concept for just a minute. Let's let it sink in a little bit to our pores. Do you see? Do you see what a blessing this is? What this means is all the time that, that we've spent worrying and concerned about whether, does God love me? Will God will I get God's blessing? All the time that we've been fretting over, have I done enough to receive salvation? We can let go of all of that. That fretting, that concern, that worry is useless. We've already got that gift of love and grace. It is already ours. So we don't have to spend any time worrying and fretting about God and God's blessing. Instead, we are free now, recognizing the gift we have, to turn to the topic of how do we respond to this gift of love and grace. You see, in today's Beatitudes, those, those four verses I was talking about, three through six, they really are Jesus talking about giving us the message of God's gift. And then the next three verses, seven, eight, nine, they talk about responding to God's gift. And to unpack this, I want to get a little bit personal this morning. I want to talk about Darla and me. And right now, Darla is very nervous. <laughs> it's okay, honey. Those of you who know Darla and me well at all already know this. <clears throat> that I love Darla beyond words that I can put together. It is impossible for me to describe how much I love her. And what many people find to be entirely inexplicable is that she loves me just as much. Hold that thought. Because now I want to turn to the topic that you've all been waiting for on All Saints Sunday, and that is the topic of household chores, right? We all have them, don't we? We all have household chores. 
And I, I know you just like me. You've got some of these chores that you really don't mind doing. And you've got a few that you even kind of like. And then there are those chores, the ones that you think, oh, just let me ignore it. Let, let me get past it. Let me not do it. Let me avoid it somehow. Now, I really, really enjoy doing the dishes. I do. I enjoy cleaning off the table. I enjoy stacking up the dishes and the cups and the glasses and the utensils and rinsing them all off, stacking them in the dishwasher just right, and then turning the dishwasher on, and then getting the pots and pans. We don't put the pots and pans in the dishwasher in the seller's household, okay? And then doing those by hand, drying them off and putting them up. And then wiping off the counters, leaving everything spick and span. I enjoy that. I do. It's fun. On the other hand, I really, really, really don't like emptying the dishwater, dishwasher. <laughs> I can't explain it. Look, it's not hard. It doesn't take any talent. I can do it. That's proof. But I just don't like it. Nevertheless, not infrequently, when I'm there and I see that the dishes are done, the dishwasher is finished its cycle, I will open it and I will put up the dishes. And I do it because I know that if I don't, Darla will come around behind me and she'll do it. Now, I don't put up these dishes, Darla, <laughs> to try to make Darla love me or love me anymore. I can't. I do it in response to Darla's love. I do it as a, a small gesture of thanksgiving for that love. And that's what Jesus is talking about in verses 7, 8, and 9. Jesus says, once we recognize the gift of God's love, then naturally we are free to then respond to that love, and we respond by being merciful. We respond by being pure in heart. We respond by being peacemakers. It's another way of saying we are free to respond by loving the Lord our God with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind and loving our neighbor as ourself. Do you see, do you see the extent of this blessing that we are able now to take off of our shoulders all of this concern about pleasing God and simply turn and respond to God's love. All of that worry, all of that fretting, we can let go of it. Another way of looking at this that's particularly pertinent on All Saints Sunday is this, the fact that we all share in this gift of blessing and grace means that already we are all saints. We are all saints because we share with the saints that go before us in the sure and certain knowledge that is told in the passage from Revelation today, at some day in the future, we will all stand in the presence, the glow, the warmth, the majesty of God's love. And at that time, Christ will wipe away every tear from everyone's eyes.
Wow. So recognizing this enormous gift, what now? Well, I want to suggest that what now is, let's identify our dishwashers and let's empty them. Let's figure out how we are called to respond to God's love, God's grace, this amazing gift. How can we be a blessing to others as we are blessed? Well, in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, Amen.